I am Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. I highlight the Fifth Element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence. Sometimes I did the same, abusing my power, full of resentment. Resentment that turned into a deep depression. Found myself screaming in a hotel room. I didn't want to self-destruct. Evil as Lucy was all around me. So I went running for answers. Until I came home. <laughs> to digging in the digits. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You gave it away, man. You gave away our number one. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if people didn't know by if people didn't know by last week, by last episode, I mean, who are you? Like, how do you not? Where where have you been? Where have you where have you been? (laughs) Where have you been this past decade? I mean, what else could it be? What else could it be? What else could it have possibly been? The greatest Um, album ever made. It could have been DJ Khaled. I was very close, but grateful. I just, I just, but I just too find ma- a place. There's too many to pick with Khaled. You, you just don't know. It could be Major Key. It could be <laughs> Suffering classics, from Success. Classics. It could be too Grateful. Father of Assad. It could be, you know, it's too hard. You couldn't narrow too it many down. Classics. So you just say, nah, nah, we'll leave him. He's in his own category, DJ Khaled. Very <laughs> special artist. Very special artist. <laughs> <laughs> could have been Rick Ross. Fuck. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Uh, just, just, uh, I feel like I do. I feel like we have to do a whole list again now. Now that I've forgotten all these, all these uh, amazing fine, albums. Yeah. Damn, such That's a shame. Right. But this anyway, I guess we have to move on and just go go over the flow. <coughs> Hi Ben, how's your week been? And what have you been listening to this week? I've uh, man, I had a rough week. I'm very tired today, but I'm gonna Preach. soldier. Yeah, I'm gonna soldier through. Um, I'm going to start, fr- I, I, I'm going to go, as I always do, from best to worst as to what I listened to this week, which is going to surprise everyone because I'm going to put YNW Melly at the top, Melly vs. Melbourne, oh, sorry, Melly vs. Melbourne, Melly vs. Melvin, I assume Melvin is his, uh, his name. Uh, it's a very interesting release. It's kind of sad that we only know him through his incarceration and the charges against him. I place him alongside Kevin Gates. He sings as well as he raps, and he kind of slips effortlessly between the two. And he adds mm. emotion and weight to the issues that he's speaking on. You know, he doesn't he doesn't close rank around his public persona and just kind of uh, toe the party line. He explains it. He dissects it. He looks at why he feels certain ways, why it makes him act in certain ways, and it's a very refreshing piece of music, and I really hope that uh, we get some more from him, and I would recommend it. Uh, I'm not sure whether he will be releasing music. I don't know, but yeah, I really enjoyed that project, so I would recommend people go check that out, if, especially if they like Kevin Gates. I got to Born to Rap by The Game. Uh, I didn't even know this was dropping, to be honest. Uh, I knew he was dropping something. Uh, I actually really, really, really like The Game. I came into him late. It was around, I think, Documentary 2 was when I started listening to him. And I went okay. back over his catalogue. I, I think he's very underrated as an MC. 
Typical on Born to Rap, 195 mm. name drops, 8.5 per song, which is <laughs> actually incredibly the lowest of Game's album discography. 8.5 a song, and that's his lowest. Uh, I think that he has honestly evolved into one of the most underrated MCs in the game because he consistently puts out top quality music. The Documentary 2 and 2.5 were both brilliant releases, and mm. Born to Rap is a bit of a step down. It's definitely a mid-tier release, but his, his discography is quality. When I say mid-tier, I mean within his discography. If you don't like the game, you're not going to enjoy this album. He's name-dropping more than anyone else apart from himself. He constantly calls himself the best rapper in the world, and he just throws smoke at all and sundry. He just calls everyone out and just says he's better than them and, and challenges them, and, and that's what he does. That's what the game does. If you like the game... You're going to marvel at the way he manages to weave those names into each narrative he tells, which is it's actually a skill that I really admire. His brutal honesty is always honest. He always comes with facts. And, you know, this is the thing about the game. It's like he's basically the shade room, but for a rapper. Like you're going to get hmm. so much, or maybe Lipstick Alley is a better, I don't know if anyone knows Lipstick Alley out there, but it, that might be better for him because... He just drops tea. He tells tea. He uh, he tells stories that have yet been untold. And he raps with passion. So I like the album, but it's way, way, way too long. I think it's 25 songs, like 90 minutes or something. Oh, it's, it's excessive. It's excessive. Uh, do, 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 do. So then we get to Griselda, WWCD. Um, I was pretty underwhelmed by this release, surprisingly. <gasps> uh, bro. <laughs> But it is that. Bro, all fucking year, bro. All year you've been hyping up Griselda, bro. <laughs> and when they finally drop a fucking project as a unit on Shady, you're underwhelmed. I, I, See? I just, you can't make it up. Charlie's 100% right because, you know, randomly I'll just text him during the day of Benny Bar. <laughs> and I'll just be like, bro, what the fuck boo, is boo, boo, boo. Yeah, I'll just send him a message. <laughs> dropping them. But I think I know why I'm un- underwhelmed by this release. This is the okay. ninth project by the Griselda members in 2019. Between, between them, they've wrapped over 30,000 words, and I assume it was similar in 2018. I didn't run their numbers, but it would have been Stay huge. The least words have come from Westside Gun, and he sounds the sharpest on this project. Now, mm. flooding the market really works for artists like Future, Baby. It even worked for 50 Cent back in the day. None of mm-hmm. those artists have the expectation of lyricism that Griselda do. Even West Side Gun. You know, he, he, he might not be the most lyrical of all of them, but he has to have bars. He has to have mm-hmm. bars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can turn your nose up at that word in relation to these artists if you want. Uh, but I guarantee you no one would be particularly perturbed if I compare Griselda to LOX. And they're some of the hardest spitters in history. The only rapper I know who managed quality and quantity as a lyricist is Lil Wayne. And he kind of went on this syrup-fueled sojourn between 2006 and 2009. But oh my gosh, did it crash and burn when Rebirth and I Am Not a Human Being came out. And it just faded into folklore. Like, everyone talks about that with rose-tinted glasses. And it was an amazing run, but it didn't end. Uh, sorry, it did end. It, it didn't continue. And I just think Griselda is suffering from overwork. They all spit venom. They all bring some quotables. 
someone said something cool to me on Twitter. They said, Griselda are the type to spit a bar and have you thinking about it for months afterwards. And that's true, you know. Um, Westside Gun is the best on this project, then Conway, then Benny, amazingly. Uh, Benny was my least favorite on this project. I'm not saying he was bad, but I just didn't... I did, his pen was not as sharp as it has been prior this year. Mm. Eminem's feature was one of the most pointless, mismatched, <laughs> ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. There it is. <laughs> he's gone past the point of being a caricature of himself, and he's genuinely fallen into the unhinged category. <laughs> and I, I don't see redemption for him ever. I, I, I don't know where... You, I don't know how you can come back from when I was young. I used to think about fucking pink like a flamingo. Like, bro, you're on you're on a track with Benny, Westside Gun, and Conway, and this is what you bring? Are you... what? I don't know what's going on in that head of his, but it, there's no redemption for him at this point, in my view. Uh, it's a solid project, but a bit underwhelming. And then finally was Fabulous as Summertime Shootout 3. Uh, I think, again, Fabulous is one of the most underrated spitters in the game, and he proves yep. why on this release, man. This is a guy who went bar for bar with just about everyone who could rap back in the Desert Storm days. Still has an uncanny cadence on the mic and a really unique skill set, but for some reason he keeps going back and plundering this club relationship cuffing season tracks that are just so yawn-inducing and formulaic. You might as well just give them to Chris Brown because it's really boring. He has a song called Bay Dreaming, for fuck's sake. This is a dude, right? This is a dude who spent a whole album spitting next to Jadakiss with some of the coldest bars in history. And on this joint, he's soaking his voice in auto-tune and crooning about knocking down women at the age of 42. All his contemporaries like Lloyd Banks, Dipset, LOX, Fat Joe, Ja Rule, Ludacris, they either quit rap, diversified their product, or fell totally by the wayside. And the only reason I can see for Fab continuing this two-faced routine where he goes from being this hard bar-spitting rapper to this weird relationship crooner is that he must really love and he must be passionate about both sides of that type of rap. But um, it's not it. It's not it. it. It's just meant that he's been releasing these weird albums. And there's four or five great tracks on this, but the rest is just filler. And it's a long album too, so... You know, find your favorite tracks and put them on a playlist. That's about all I can say about that. So, yeah, that's what I got to. What about yourself? Uh, so, yeah, I also listened to Griselda's uh, WWCD. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, I kind of feel similar ways as you. Um, it's the first time where I've, like, truly noticed uh, all the all the uh, additional stuff, <laughs> uh, especially whenever uh, Westside Gun uh, gets on gets on the mic, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there there were some times where I was just like, okay, okay, guys, <laughs> it's just it's just it's just pull back the boom booms, okay, it's just it's just it's just uh, taking back it just just a little bit because uh, it's st- it's started to distort my listening experience. <laughs> <laughs> literally most of the time it's just all I heard when like Westside or even any any of them rapping it was just like bah, 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 bah. I was like bro I'm trying to listen I'm trying to listen to lyrics here like you just I'm like oh my god do, do, bro, do, do, do. Just, just give me a second I love it man I <laughs> actually me love listen. that shit so much eh? I love them they're great they're actually they're fucking amazing bro but bro even you know what at least with like fucking Migo ad libs like it doesn't 
overpower the track, you know? <laughs> These just invade like a fucking uh, 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 battering ram to a door. Yeah, it's just, they're all over it's it. It's just like, I'm like, bro, <laughs> calm down. Anyway, other than that, um, yeah, it was, it was it was okay. It was, it was okay project. Um, yeah. to you. It's just like you know, it's, it's good. It's it's, it's worth listening. Um, you know, you'll find some good stuff in there. Um, I, I was surprised you didn't talk about Fifty Cent's uh, first, uh, which is even worse than Eminem's in my uh, opinion. No, I like bro, Fifty Cent's first. Man, bro, he, right. he rhymed work with work like f- six times. Oh, the start, and then started the verse. I'm the like, bro, start, come. Yeah, bro, the start was, of the verse was garbage. Was, I don't know what he was doing at the start, but I thought it was all right. I thought he sounded pretty nah, menacing on nah, that joke. No, 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 it's not it. It's oh. not it. Like, I, don't, I don't think. I don't want to say Fifty Cent should rap ever again, but like, I'm, it wasn't that bad. Well, but I'm his, just like, I haven't last... heard a good Fifty verse in a while. When was I'm his last good verse? Because his last verse don't I know. heard was Ed Sheeran, and that was horrific. That was really like it. Uh, it, he, it was like he couldn't even rap anymore. I don't know maybe, when the last. Maybe I'm the man. That was a banger. What was that on? Um, I forgot the. I don't know if it was on an album. It's with Sunny Digital. It's a uh, boss beat. It's a it's a boss song, but that's literally the last song like of fifties I've read. But anyway, yeah, anyway, and obviously, yeah. Um, and the and Eminem verse was like, um, it's <sighs> just like Fuck Eminem me. just jumped in and just wanted to talk about Eminem. I'm just like. So you're not, you're not going to go with the narrative that these dudes are doing. You're just going to jump in and just Eminemisms. I don't think he's capable of it anymore. I don't. I don't know what. I think his wires are really crossed up up there. And and I don't want to say anything out of turn because he might actually be unwell. And and if he is, then. But but if he is, I, I don't think this is the right way to go about. Ugh, I don't know, man. It's just ugh, I don't know what's going on with him. He's, he's just yeah, completely yeah, off yeah. off brand yeah, and off it. base, and yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, yeah. They, they were just talking about their things, and then he just came in, just going like, "Hi guys, let me talk about me for a second yeah. <laughs> But shout out to like her novel and Keisha Plum, actually great features on oh, that. Yeah, just want yeah. to shout, shout those yeah. two out. Um, uh, Smoke Dizza and Currencies, ah. uh, Prestige Worldwide. I wanted to get to that. Don't like name. Well, <sighs> oh, but dope, dope title, Prestige Worldwide. How good is that? Oh, it's a boss title. Yeah, it's, it's a, good, a step, title. step brothers but, um, reference, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I, I knew I heard it somewhere actually. Yeah, like, yeah. good shout, good shout. Yeah, but um, didn't like it. Um, didn't, did, did, didn't. Um, yeah, they they both sounded the same, weirdly enough. And I didn't really mm. think in uh, like when I press played uh, when I press play, I was like, oh, smoke does and the currency sound the same. I, was, I, I didn't think that before. No. And then when the tracks came through, I was like, "Wow, they really do sound the same." Wow. Um, but even with that, I was just, I was just, I don't know. It just didn't, it just didn't, just didn't hit me like like other projects have this year in terms of like duos doing it. And you know, Smoke Dizzard was on um, obviously with the uh, uh, Bennies as well for that EP, Statue of Limitations, and that was good. Yeah, it was dope. But um, yeah, I just didn't really, just didn't really hit me. Production was a bit meh. Lyrics were a bit well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just didn't really, didn't really, didn't really hit me. I don't know why. But it just didn't really hit me. Um, and lastly, uh, Junior Williams, J&R Williams, uh, Withers in the Vine, so the wee P that I found. Um, amazing songwriting uh, from a guy I've literally just heard of like a few month, a couple of months ago. Uh, great songwriting. Uh, the, the vibe is very... Uh, it's got gospel elements, some contemporary R&B elements. There's one, there's one uh, track that's very jazzy as well. Um, but the, yeah, but he shines on this in terms of just like his songwriting and what he talks about. And, uh, it's very existential. 
Um, and yeah, it, it just sounds like someone that, even though it's just like his first, I think it's his first EP or something like that. So he's, he's very young in his career, but um, it just sounds like somebody who's had a life and is just reflecting on it. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, like an old hand on young shoulders, I guess, in that kind of sense. But yeah, it was a very good project. Very good, uh, very good EP. I might, might, might make it to the list. Might do. You never know. That's I haven't started list, writing though. that shit this shit yet. You're gonna start soon because that's <laughs> a long it's, list. Yeah, but. Uh, well, that's 19 on the shortlist now, so that's a. Uh, I can I can do, I can do EPs, it's albums I'm scared of. Uh, I'll just have to listen to everything again. I'm just like, no. Mm. But anyway, um, that aside, we get to uh, the topic of today, which is our collective number one album of the decade, which is to uh, Kendrick's uh, Kendrick Lamar's to Pimper Butterfly. Um. Oh, well, Ben needs to begin anyway because uh, it's uh, his turn. Um, so I'll, I'll give the floor to you, and you can uh, begin on. I don't know wherever you want to go on this oh, this album. This journey that we're gonna take together today. Oh, it's it's amazing that we both. Well, it's not really that amazing when you think about the album, but we both came to the same conclusion. And when we posted, like, uh, when I posited this to Charlie, and I said, "Let's do three episodes of three so we'll go three 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 and then our number one and i i just assumed that we would have the same number one before we even gave our list to each other and uh we did because i think everyone should have this as number one uh so it's member butterfly i remember the very first day i put this on i was about to cook actually and i had two hours of meal prep for this huge meal and i'd got a leaked copy from someone on genius which i don't do anymore by the way and I got the same feeling I had three years prior with Good Kid, Mad City. And in fact, I haven't had that feeling since. The minute I heard the first song, I just knew this was something incredibly special. It drew me in like nothing ever has since. The narrative, the emotion, the power, the honesty and authenticity. Kendrick was just totally masterful. But he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the conductor on this. He was the main instrument. And every piece fell around him in perfect place. And yet, it was imperfect. It was like wabi-sabi, you know, the the Japanese thing where the perfection is in the imperfection. Mm. And in my view, that gives an artist infinite scope to scale up the quality and impact of a product. And this is why I say that My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is perfect, 10 out of 10. But To Pimp a Butterfly is 15 out of 10. Because... To so people, butterfly is just it's as not music. how math works, but I uh, look, man, you're still gonna hip hop numbers here. I know that's not how math works, but you know, to people, butterfly is just as musically and lyrically perfect as my beautiful doctor's fantasy. But the imperfections that Kendrick slowly exposes via his lyrics and vocal tones creates an entirely different dramatic d- dynamic. It's like a separate angle, and there are many angles on this to just be delighted and to fall into the story. It's almost like sensory overload for the intellect and soul and heart. You know, it should, theoretically, this album should drag you in 10 different directions. Instead, it channels all the elements into synergy and you're just locked in from the album start to finish every time. No skips. Every time I've listened to this album, I've just listened to it back to front. I can't, I can't skip anything. I can't stop once I start. It's unbelievable, man. And so, uh, I, I don't know, man. I've got a bit written here and I've thought a lot about it, but I want to hear what you have to say as well. Like, uh, I want to know why this is your number one as well. Uh, well, I guess I'll start with the first time I did it since that's where you started. Um, 
it was kind of at the same time, uh, obviously from last episode, I was talking about XV and how he helped my, I guess, uh, beginning to um, restart myself and uh, go on the, and go on that personal journey. And the bit butterfly was really the jewel in that crown because it was kind of, uh, I was in, I was in a lesson and I got a, a music streaming service for the first time. I literally copped it there, there and then. Uh, I was just, uh, it was Deezer. Um, if anyone uh, has Deezer, shout out to you because, uh, uh, Once I got Spotify, like it, like the game just changed for me. But uh, Deezer was my first. It's a, it's a French based uh, streaming site for those that don't know. And um, yeah, so it was kind of the, f- I guess the it's the first album in terms of uh, when I started that particular journey because once I got streaming. And all and going to that kind of world, just everything changed for me. Like I just had everything there and everything ready to go, ready to listen to. And that was the first like new piece of work I wanted to listen. I, I ended up listening to, um, just out of curiosity. And I will admit, it took me a long, long while to truly gauge how important this album was not just to me and that came later but obviously to the whole scope of um i guess the story of america in a way and american culture and american um uh life in general uh we obviously hinted about that in terms of uh talking about good kid mad city and this is like you said this is it's much of the same here um but for me it's just more because of the extra elements that was added you know good kid was a you know an amazing one of the best west coast projects ever made right Mm. firmly west coast but this is just something different for me it's not just west coast isms you know like snoop dogg coming in and institutionalized those you know that's that's cool but it's jazz it's souls you know it's, it's it's more it's kind of the reason why i enjoy uh listening to music of black origin these days um it's, it's why i look for people like you know aforementioned junior williams or someone like that you know well i don't know them but uh, you just dip in and they deliver this they deliver this soul that you can't find anywhere else. I'm not saying it's just in America as well. It's not just African Americans. It's all black people. It's all music of black origin, regardless of whether it's hip hop or jazz or soul or R and B. But the fact that Kendrick managed to have this idea and incorporate those extra elements um, of music is just it 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 just blew my mind. And once I got deeper into this particular journey that I'm on in terms of listening to music and discovering music and stuff like that and appreciating uh, music of black or- origin <laughs> the album just grows bigger into my head because it's you know once once that keeps going once I keep feeding that it just makes this album look so much freaking better um, in terms of how I feel about it so yeah that's kind of just a uh, I guess my uh, first opening salvo about it uh, in terms of how I listen to it but um, yeah it took me it took me it took me a while to 
really gauge how important it was. But um, for, first off, listening, it was just, um, you know, something I've never heard before. And, um, you know, it was just it was just special in that way. But the deeper, the, the longer I go in my life, the, the bigger it's going to grow in terms of importance for me. Well, that's one of the reasons why it's my number one and why it has a little bit of a different theme to my pre- some of my previous albums is because I think it's honestly timeless. And we spoke last week about Anderson Pack going down the experimental route after he kind of uh, achieved, I guess, in his version of perfection on Malibu. And now we see Kendrick doing something very similar onto Pimper Butterfly, which, look, to Pimper Butterfly has... I think, and I said this to Charlie the other day because I was, I was listening back to J. Cole's catalogue, and I think To Pimp a Butterfly is timeless in that it will always have influence because it became the blueprint. Uh, you know, Good Kid, Bad City was the blueprint originally for uh, a rapper who can really, really rap, but to create a classic project. And I think that that is forgotten a lot by especially by music listeners, I guarantee you major labels know this, when someone puts out a project, say Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, Life After Death, The Blueprint, uh, uh, sorry, um, Get Rich or Die Trying, major labels will look at that and then they'll see, okay, we have an artist with the same skill set, we have an artist with a similar level of possibility of impact and we're going to kind of try and do the same thing. And... Honestly, I think that's going to be to pimp a butterfly. No one is ever going to be able to to do anything anywhere near as good as what he did on that album. But the fact that he went experimental and and dove into these sounds that he hadn't explored before and still managed to come out with such a clean, it was clean, you know, the whole thing was clean. Even though theoretically it shouldn't really have been clean. It should have been like Oxnard or it should have been like all these other albums where artists have had a classic album and then they've gone into some other realm that they've tried to, you know, forge a new path down and they've struggled at first, you know. And for some reason, man, Kendrick Lamar, I, I don't know, but 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 my question to you would be, because I, I've always thought about this with this album. I think that, you know, when we said about Anderson Pack and I said that his voice was kind of the perpetual motion that dragged the album along. With Kendrick, I don't always feel that way. I feel like he... Not so much that he knows his place. I don't think, you know, I don't think that's fair putting that on him. And I think that has negative connotations. But he seems to understand that his voice is an instrument and that everything around him is part of the sonic experience that he's creating. And and that's rare for a rapper. You know, a rapper gets a beat and then they rap over the beat and they try and kill the beat. That's that's a common saying in hip-hop, you know, I kill the yeah. beat. Yeah. Little Wayne yeah. used to yeah. say it all the time. Kendrick never tries to kill the beat unless he's rapping, uh, say, like on control. Or but, but it's not even then. It's not really about the beat. It's about killing other rappers or, or killing his guest mm-hmm. performance. And mm-hmm. so I wonder with you what your thoughts are. Like, what do you think Kendrick's role in this album was? Was was he the conductor? Was he at the forefront? Was he marshalling the troops? Or was he, like, was it a, a true collaborative pro? Like, what do you think about that? That's a good question. Um, I personally think that he's clearly the narrator and the star, I guess, of the production. Right? Um, he's the he's the title cards. Kendrick Lamar in to Pippa Butterfly. You know what I mean? So it's, it's literally like that if we're going for by a movie reference, right? 
but in that case, it's it is really like that in terms of um, you know we we love to give. It's it's very interesting in terms of like music and comparing it to something like TV or film, right? You know, an actor doesn't make the film. It may it may it may be like the best part of the film, you know. It may, it may be it may be like that, you know. The oh, DiCaprio is great in that, and that's the only good thing about that film, you know. If you if you if you want to say that, but to make a film really amazing. Everything needs to be on point. The writing needs to be on point. The visuals need to be on point. The performance needs to be on point. There, there are a lot of factors. Um, there are a lot of albums out there where you can have a amazing uh, artist behind it, right? And you don't make... Uh, and for some reason, we don't make the concerted effort to really truly see who else participated in this you know even from even from I don't even have to look at the track list or the credits for To Pimp a Butterfly but I can easily just name like Robert Glasper, Thundercat, Terrace Martin and that's just three you mm. know Anna Wise, Rhapsody in terms of features you know uh, George Clinton it's just, it's just like it, 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 it's a it's a it's a it really is a movie that can that has it. I don't know how he, I don't know how it's I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like everybody had a role, and you can see clearly what they did in that role. Um, even with something like um, uh, like a Eve Rhapsody, right? I know that the Soul Council produced that, but I can't guess straight up who who in the Soul Council produced that. Was it Night of Wonder? Was it Crisis? Was it Eric G? You know, you can take a guess here and there, but most of the time you might be there's a chance you'd be wrong. But if I'm listening to this and I'm hearing Thundercat's bass, or I'm hearing Robert Glasper's uh, uh, keys, or I'm hearing Terrace Martin's saxophone. I know exactly who's doing it, and it re- and that really happens with an album of this magnitude, and I think it obviously is because of that jazz element that is so rife through this. It gives it gives you that permission to go, to go and truly look up. Well, not in terms of like you know going on Genius or or going on Spotify and looking up the sh- or looking up the credits or going on Wikipedia or whatever, but mm. just like understanding and appreciating the part that that person played now in terms of Kendrick's role I'll just um I, I did kind of answer it but I'll answer it more clearly um yeah he is the narrator and I would say yeah in some way he's the conductor he's like you know I want this I, I want this person and I think I saw like a uh was it Glasper was it as either Robert Glasper or Terrace Martin interview where one of the one of the two asked uh <laughs> asked for like a favor from each other and uh one of them came to one of Kendrick's recordings i think it was Glasper yeah it was with um it was with Tyler Quali people's party i think it was that pod um that show yeah Glasper came in he was like uh, i'm doing this thing with Terrace Martin and uh, he's like uh, well i'm doing this thing with Kendrick uh come through 
and Glasper comes through. Glasper comes in to do one track, and then he ends up doing like eight of them and helping do eight of them. Huh. It's 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 that kind of stuff where it's so fascinating, and I really think is the jazz element in there that you know when it comes to jazz, there are a lot of times most jazz fans have to uh, end up like looking up the specific people, you know who's who's on drums for that, uh, who's on keys for that, who's on bass for that. It, we rarely do that for hip hop, partly just because live instrumentation in hip-hop is you know usually just put forward to like the roots and then that's it <laughs> mm. and then most people just uh do it you know sometimes you know rich brian obviously did it for the sailor um who knows if he'll do it for the rest of his career probably not um kendrick hasn't done it since um so you know there's that but yeah i don't know if i answered the question but um <laughs> but yeah i think kendrick's a conductor in a way but it really, it really has uh, the 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 whole album has this ability um, sonically to just bring other people forward. Even though we're obviously listening to Kendrick, there's just so much more you can just eat if you really want to eat it. And the greatest thing about that is when you're talking about like jazz albums and and getting down that rabbit hole, it's not a particularly commercially viable rabbit hole. Like these Ooh. artists, these artists, yes, they're making enough money to live off, but these aren't the, these aren't the albums that are going five, six times platinum or spending hundreds of weeks on the billboard no. 200. These are, you know, these are niche albums and somehow Kendrick managed to ma- marriage the, or marry the, that, that element, that authenticity of of the live instrumentation and the and the jazz and that that was great you know it gave it a warm feeling it gave the album a really uh, a completely different sound to what we were used to hearing in hip hop at that time yes. and yet yes. he still managed to blow the hell up like it was his first number one album it's platinum you know King Kunta All Right Black of the Berry I they all were certified by uh, RIAA so. It was it was a very commercially successful album, and that's why I'm always curious about Kendrick's role in all this because you know he goes away for long periods of time and and doesn't really give us much at all. And and right now is a perfect example of that. Like when was the last time you heard anything come out of Kendrick's mouth? You know, the last time was Black Panther's soundtrack at the start of 2018, and he produced a lot of that album. I think he produced six songs on that album, and he was his vocals were on every track, and. I really wonder because Joe Budden said, and I, I, I sound like an idiot because I always bring up the Joe Budden podcast, but he said something really interesting about Eminem. He said that Eminem doesn't know what the hell's going on in the world. Eminem, he said every time Eminem comes out and makes a statement or drops a verse, you have to remember that he has achieved megastar status. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to be anywhere. He doesn't even have to tour if he doesn't want to. He has that level of success. And whilst I'm not saying that Kendrick does, because I think Drake has that level of success, Kendrick is certainly in that rarefied air where his... And and you share it with so many artists, so many rappers, where their content starts to change dramatically. And the the funny thing is, listening back to J. Cole's catalogue, it's gone the opposite direction, where Cole was about money and wealth and women at the start, and now he's going in the opposite direction and starting to talk about socially conscious stuff and, and adding narratives to his albums. But most artists don't do that. Like look at Jay-Z from reasonable doubt to volume one. It's like the reasonable doubt was like personal and in depth. And then volume one was just about money and women. 
And Kendrick, so Kendrick, you know, I know that Kendrick, I think he's married. Uh, I know that he has a child um, with his partner. So Kendrick is not out here partying, slaying, doing all the things that we would typically and He's not living that backseat freestyle life, no. No, 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 no. But but it's very interesting, like, where he gets his content from. The the greatest thing on is, I think it's on Mortal Man at the end, and, and he was, you know, conversating with Tupac, rest in peace, and he was saying that when he gets in the booth, the energy just flows through him, and he just kind of blacks out on the mic, and he doesn't really know what he's saying, and that and that's how he raps. And I always wonder where he gets his content from. Like, I know that he gets it from the things around him, but, like, it's just so amazing to go from Good Kid, Mad City to this, which is, it's it's an arc. It's yeah. a story arc. And yeah. and all three of his albums, I think people forget that. You know, I personally don't like Damn that much, but it's a story arc. Like, Good yeah. Kid, Mad City is is when he's, and, and I wrote it on, I wrote it on, um, on Instagram. Let me find it. Let me find what I wrote here, because I thought it was very interesting. He lapses into self-destruction and it highlights how dangerous and difficult his life has become. So in Good Kid Mad City, you know, a stray bullet was the scariest thing and yeah. he lost his friend and, and that was a terrifying thing. Now, on To Pimp a Butterfly and then on Damn, the stray bullet is less likely to kill you than the crushing weight of trying to thrive in a mm. system de- designed for you to suffer. Yes. And I love that Kendrick was intelligent and mature enough to see, okay, now I've got some success here. Let's just look at the optics. Let's look at what's happening around me. Let's look at how people are moving around me and make an album about that rather than let's revel in it. And that's that's one of the, you know, it's another tiny little aspect of To Pimp a Butterfly. But yes. I think it's very, very valuable. And I think that's why it's a timeless album because, you know, we've talked about it on the major label podcast that that system is never gonna it's never gonna die it's 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 way too fortified and too smart to ever die and so kendrick had a look at it and then exposed it and and i think that's beautiful and it's a bit of a butterfly um <clears throat> so i had like uh three things to say and i've kind of forgotten all three and that's pissed me off <laughs> that's bad um but like uh one on one of them uh, I remember now uh, when you're talking about <clears throat> when you're talking about Kendrick in terms of like uh, obviously how does he do it? It's really it, it, it's me- it's method acting, if anything. Like it's just <laughs> to to and I think it's a real. He is in a way a true storyteller in every sense of the word. Where you go about your life and you see these things and you experience these things and you have life experiences and then you don't just report back. You don't just do that. Mm. You get a whole freaking narrative out of it. You know, then, you know, if you want, if you guys want to go listen to dissect season one, go listen to that because that shit just breaks it down so fucking perfectly and actually just like really bumped my loving of this album by 10. But, um, yeah, even if that, it's just it's really it's really a interesting narrative to go about, and you know it's something that we can. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of artists that 
have talked about the same things, you know, fame and suffering from fame and then seeing someone down in the dumps, but you don't do anything because you're famous, da 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 And then you realise something and, you know, you, you, you feel all the better for learning that lesson. But that's just simple. That's, that's literally the simple way of, of to pimp a butterfly, if anything. But it's just so much more than that. It's just, it's just a rabbit hole to go down. Um, you mentioned something about, uh, you mentioned about Eminem and I guess in the fact that he's obviously just, uh, not, I guess, bothered to, um, to look out, I guess, I, I think Eminem's problem for me anyway, it's just literally like, um, you know, some people might not care about the fact that you don't like Charlemagne. <laughs> like you mentioned it on the Griselda album, and I'm just like, bro, oh, yeah. let it go. <laughs> Who cares, bro? Just relax. <laughs> bro, let it go. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, Kendrick ain't doing that. And uh, I think that was I think that was the second point I wanted to get to. Like, even, with, even when Kendrick gets on features, it's not just spitting bars. You know what I mean? It's not just like, all right, let me... Let me just write down whatever I'm thinking about right now. So a uh, good example is like whatever J. Cole features. You know, if he if he when he when he did a lot, I think he said somewhere that he literally just, you know well, I think he sounded a song in it, that he just put down the pet put down the pen to pad, da 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 Um I think he said uh, I think Premier said when he dropped the uh, uh gave him the feature for um Family and Loyalty, he said that um Cole said, oh, I wrote too many bars, is that, is that fine? And Premier was like, yeah, send it over. <laughs> and I, I find that interesting. Kendrick doesn't do that with features, mm. I don't think. It's not just write down some bars. I feel like he asks the person, like, what are you, what are you talking about on this song? How can I help amplify that message or narrative mm. or whatever? I feel like mm. he actively looks for more in a feature. Yeah, he's a um, songwriter, not so much a rapper. Exactly, like he's a true songwriter. Exactly. It's just it, it really is true songwriting in that case where it's not just uh Kendrick, can you come like spit a quick sixteen for me? It's not just that. It's like can you mm. come help me create this song right quick? Um and that's why and that's, you know, part of the reason why I love Kendrick overall, but it's just uh, it's just very fascinating. I don't really find many uh many artists do that. You know, there are many artists that when they hop on a feature, it fits them. Uh, like whenever whenever I hear Travis Scott on a feature, it sounds like a Travis Scott song. And it just so happens to feature him. You know what I mean? It's like they yeah, cater to him. It. It's really yeah. odd. But Kendra doesn't do that. He caters to whoever he's featuring for. Um, even with that god awful Taylor Swift song, like he catered to Taylor Swift like, you it's know garbage. what I mean? It's yeah. <laughs> he catered to her, even in the music video as well. Like it's just not many, not many artists do that. Um, in in every sense of the word, you know, they might hop on the f- music video and have fun with that, but at the end of the day, the lyrics are the lyrics. But um, I did have a question for you, and I totally forgot. Um, it was a good question as well, so that's kind of unfortunate. But uh, I think I've made my point. I've I've made two of the three points, so I'm happy with it. It's off in the ether now. It'll come back. Maybe a fly will bring it back for you. Uh, funny oh, fucker. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that the thing I thought about while you were talking about that, you know, especially about Kendrick's narrative. Oh, I remember the question the... now. <laughs> oh, go go go. 
Sí. <laughs> um, <coughs> what was the um? Describe the feeling of listening to that Tupac bit for the first time. <sighs> Dude, I I just got goosebumps even when you just said that. So, <laughs> so look, I'll I'll give it I'll give an example. I'll, I'll give a, a comparison. When I listened to For Your Eyes Only again the other day. And then the final track comes on and, and you realize what he's talking about. And it kind of opens the album up a little bit more and it gives you a new lens in which to view the album through. Now, I was listening to Spimper Butterfly, obviously, the first time and I'm vibing. I'm, I'm, all, all aspects of, of Ben is just going crazy over this album. Like <laughs> subconscious, unconscious, conscious. Every part of me is like, what the fuck is this? This is in... This is unbelievable. And then he has that conversation with Park at the end. And, you know, we're all wondering, I guess, what the uh, what the little snippets of the poem that continually were grown upon at yeah. the end of each song. Or it, yeah. it wasn't each song, but, but at, uh, you know, I call them emotion. I think they are emotional and thematic touch points. And they were there to really highlight when Kendrick was moving through the narrative uh, in a similar way to that his parents were used in Good Kid, Mad City, but this was a little bit different. And, you know, the, the words of that those poems changed. So even if he said, I remember you was conflicted, uh, misusing your influence, it would change from song to song when he said it. Like, at first it meant something and it meant something else. Like, it was, it was very masterfully done. And then when Park came in, Obviously, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, no one had spoiled it for me, luckily. Yeah. And that conversation is one of the greatest conversations I've ever heard on Wax. It was because, obviously, you know, Kendrick had the 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 audio and he could create his own narrative around that. But it seemed to fit the album so well. Yeah. And then it explained exactly what Kendrick was talking about and not just in one realm because not only is he talking socially conscious and he's talking about, you know, systemic oppression and racism in America, he was also talking about the music industry and talking about the way that major labels and they they use these artists and and make money off them and just, you know, let them to die by themselves if they don't, if they don't succeed. And I don't know how to describe it. It's almost indescribable that feeling of listening to Park say those words and uh, Kendrick. Yeah, man, it was it was incredibly powerful, and it it just reminded me that I've always said this is that Tupac and Kendrick are always linked to me, whereas Jay Z and Biggie are linked. So I always mm. thought that mm. Park was Kendrick's spiritual predecessor, and. I don't think anyone has come even close to replicating what Park meant and what he was about and what he was doing. And, you know, Nas maybe a little bit, but he never went fully down that road. But Tupac, you know, the way... And I don't think Kendrick has the other side of Tupac where he's he's kind of the hard-edged aggression and the full, full-blown, full you know, hit-em-up kind of style Tupac. Yeah. But, um, but the just the social the way he speaks on social injustice and things like that it's just it just seemed like the perfect fit and it was it was heart-wrenching at times that that conversation between the two i thought it was amazing yeah i'd say um 
I think uh, Nipsey's comparable in the sense that, like, when they both died, they were, That's like, about point. to, like, from a business standpoint yeah. or from, like, an outside-of-whack standpoint, they were about to, like, you know, make moves in terms of, like, helping other people. Because... That's a good point. Obviously, Tupac had, like, the Thug Mansion, which is going to, like, uh, I think, like, help, like, inner-city kids, something like that. Um, and I, I guess that didn't come into fruition, but, like, it's very similar to what uh, Nipsey was doing, I guess, in that kind of... In that, in that way so i guess in that sense it's very comparable but yeah obviously from a rapper's perspective and from a um just a messaging uh kendrick is um kendrick was all over that but even in but even the saying that um you know just talking about uh tupac for a second like the reason why he's so influential and still talked about to this day is because you can see, you can see everything he was thinking about in every song that he's, that he's done, alive anyway. Um, well, well, uh, uh, not excluding the posthumous releases, but like, yeah, you know, just going from like me against the world. He's just about to go jail, and he's just like, all right, let me just get everything out right now. And then he, you know, it, 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 not there's not many artists that can do. Brenda's got a baby. <laughs> and then do like uh, uh you know fuck your bitch in the click you can't it's like <laughs> it's just it's it's so it's so polar opposite and that's obviously why Pac's so <laughs> great because like he, raps, he literally he was to be a, he literally he was to be a player yeah. but i fucked your wife and yeah. then he does brenda's <laughs> bro it's like, just like unbelievable how can you how can you be so it's it's so real in that sense where you can like so talk real. so seriously about something telling a great story but at the end of the day, I'm still a dude, and I'm going to do some dude shit. <laughs> you know I mean, it's fascinating on that sense. But anyway, yeah, when I heard when I heard that for the first time, I was just I, th- I was in bed. I think I was in bed. Yeah, I was I was I saw the fact that it was 12 minutes or something like that, over 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, I, and honestly, the only other time I've had that feeling in terms of like, why the fuck is this? Ele- why the fuck is this over 10 minutes? And then being having my mind mind blown. Was uh, listening to uh, that uh, Dave track, uh, Lucille, or something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, that's the only time I've felt like that afterwards, where I'm just like, fuck, that was worth the 11 minutes, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? That was worth the runtime. But um, yeah, when, he, when, when Tupac just comes through and he just goes, the ground is going to open up and swallow the evil, I'm just like, fuck, what? Uh, oh, my. Uh, f- um, man, I just. My eyes were. Like, just, is this even my eyes real? Were bold, like... Yeah. Honestly, I was just like, how is this, is this witchcraft? Yeah, <laughs> like, how hell. is this, it's putting me to tears, man. I was like, how the fuck is Kendrick doing this? Like, can't do this, man. Like, you ha- this is a, this is a classic already, and you're doing this. Like, you just, you just send it to the fucking stratosphere with that kind of shit. Like, um, yeah, yeah no, I don't know if, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is this kind of this tactic has happened before, where like someone gets like you know, well, there's plenty, there's, <clears throat> there's plenty of songs out there that like sample people talking, you know. Uh, Jay Z did it on uh, my first song with Notorious Big at the end. Yeah, he had a, an interview from him, and and Jay Z kind of riffed off it. So oh, it's been done perfect. before, yeah. Yeah, perfect. That's, yeah. A, that's a perfect explanation. There you go. It's a perfect example. So yeah, it's been done before, but like. I don't know, man. I just, I've just, I, I personally never heard that kind of thing before, and uh, it really just, <laughs> it just took my soul out. I was just like, whoa. And then once I looked into it more, 
in terms of what Pac was talking about and like the reference to like Nat Turner and um, like slave rebellion and just like having and just like one day like the working class is just, or you know the poor, poor people people in poverty or whatever is just going to get they're going to be so sick and tired they're just going to absolutely just go ape shit and eat the rich in terms of Tupac and what Tupac says I'm just like shit maybe <laughs> Shit, maybe maybe it'll happen at, uh, uh, December thirteenth for here. I'll tell you, fucking hell, like, I'm, <laughs> I won't put it past this, honestly, because it's just like, it's just so many moments where you can think about it, and you're just like, when is the breaking point? Um, That's so interesting, man. There's so many angles to that. Like, firstly, on that, why, <laughs> you know, I never, I never understand why it hasn't happened yet, because. Fuck it, it's such a it's such a layered this is such a layered album, bro. This is just a crazy how much a dollar cost and then we get into this. But it's like why has that and I understand everything Park is saying and that, that interview is probably from what, ninety five, ninety four, and it's you know, twenty fifteen when this album came out and it's now twenty nineteen and and that hasn't happened and that adds another layer to the whole album is yeah. this looking at the difference between and Kendrick talks about it constantly this push and pull between you know Lucy is is Lucifer and and Lucifer is the characterization of major labels capitalism the the seduction of money and the seduction of giving into greed and and uh gluttony and how that is meant to make you feel good you know it's the tapipa butterfly they eat until they get too fat and then you know they can't move and then and then as Tupac says then the the young and the hungry are meant to rise up against them when they're at their most vulnerable because they've been eating so long they're they're out of practice but it never happens you know it never happens and and I that's yeah uh, that's that's a deep existential thing that that ended on that album and and I think it added that whole layer of because I analyzed this album for Hip Hop Numbers and looked at the the way that Kendrick, the way that Kendrick identified his own feelings towards the music industry, but but it wasn't an all out attack. You know, it wasn't just outright aggression and abuse and and a full frontal attack. It was. I also love the music industry. I love what it's given me. I love what's happened. But then I also hated it at the same time, and it was this push and pull between the love and hate that he found really difficult. And it wasn't there on Good Kid, Mad City, obviously, because he hadn't ascended to this level yet. But then, yeah. if you look at Dam, if we if we carry that narrative thread onto Dam, and we see how downtrodden Kendrick is and and how low he is, it's very sad. It turns out to be very sad, and. This is a very fiery album in a lot of ways, and that fire is extinguished a lot of the time on on Dam. And I don't know that that just makes me sad. And I don't really have any other thoughts on that. I just wanted to put that out there. The other part that I wanted to speak on was someone said to me during the week because um, that DJ Booth article went out, uh, and it was about my story. And someone said to me, you know, do you feel uncomfortable these people knowing? all this stuff about you and, and being so personal. And I said, I honestly think there are two types of artists. There are two types of creatives in the world. And I'm not saying that I'm on this level at all whatsoever. But I think that anyone who uh, gets some sort of personal profile within the public forum 
has to make a decision between creating a persona that they hide behind or that they use or that that's their public persona and their private their private personal persona is hidden or they just go all out they just give you everything that's happening in their life what they're thinking what they're feeling what they do and they own everything and they stand on it and we mm. spoke about this when we were talking about Mac Miller about how if you're 100% live your truth no one can hurt you with it and mm. we saw that crumble away with an artist like Drake when Pusha T revealed that he had a son that he wasn't telling anyone about. Mm. And that was one of the first times you're going to see a curated pop star kind of image just torn down. And we saw it a little bit with Beyonce, with Jay-Z and Lemonade. And they had worked so hard to cultivate this public persona. And it got torn down in that elevator by Solange. And then they both had to put out albums that explained what went down and that was very engaging and very interesting for us. And I think the reason why we're dragged so heavily into Kendrick's music and his narrative is because, firstly, Kendrick is incredibly intelligent, savvy, and mature. And he identifies issues around him and he thinks, he analyzes what's going on in the world. Secondly, he's giving us basically full access to his thought processes in his feelings and what's going on in his head now i had a psychological session with a guy once ages ago and i was doing this thing where i always assumed people didn't like me and he said we're going to sit down opposite each other and i'm going to think the worst things i can about you and you're going to do the same to me for 10 seconds so we sat down and i didn't like him very much so i was thinking all these horrible (laughs) things but most of the time most of that 10 seconds i was thinking what is he thinking about me And then when the exercise finished, I said, well, what were you thinking? He said, I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, why? And he said, because it doesn't matter. He said, I'm your (laughs) psychologist regardless. It does not matter what I'm thinking about you right now. It Mm. only matters how you perceive it. Mm. And he said, if you had spent your time thinking bad things about me, you wouldn't have worried about what I was thinking about you. But it was so enticing to know what other people thought about me. Because it's enticing to just know what other people are thinking in general. We want to know what's going on in their head. You know, that's why those deep relationships and deep friendships and connections are so much more valuable and energizing. And Kendrick, firstly, being one of the most intelligent humans in existence, is giving us unfiltered access to that. And that is very enticing. It's unbelievable. It's like you're bathing in knowledge, you know, you're bathing in just things that you couldn't even conceive and i think that's why to pip a butterfly is such an incredible album and i think it's why it's above good kid mad city and i think that's why people give damn a lot of credit even though i'm not the biggest fan i think it really has grabbed the attention of the listening public because kendrick has that platform now and just such an unfiltered view of the way that he thinks about the world and a world that we're not privy to. We're not major labels. We're not major rappers. We don't know what's going on. And Kendrick's giving like so much game for free, basically. Good Spotify, that's a free album, basically. It's just, yeah, that's why I honestly think that this album has such a narrative pull. <sighs> yeah, man. I mean... Can't really say much more than they put pretty succinctly in terms of just like how open a book he is. Um, I will say that uh, past this uh, and past the album, uh, which is which we obviously talked about um, at length, uh, 
the the whole era of *The Mirror Butterfly* is one of the best like musical eras I've ever seen. Um, just from like how like the live shows went, and obviously the awards he got. Um, how he did not get album of the year is amazing to me. Still, like, just still kind of pisses me off. Um, not that we care, of course, but even with that said, uh, just one moment I want to like. Uh, hail up that grammy yeah. performance is like one of the <sighs> best live performances i've ever seen in my life that so shit amazing. still gives me the, the shit that's it st- fuck that gives me chills bro <laughs> it gives me chills so every time bro every time especially when he's on that third bit and he's like doing completely original lyrics right and he's just and, and it's just cutting it's kind of as he's as he's going faster and faster, and like the the guitars from behind is just like absolutely spazzing out. It's like no, it's, it's like it's such a crescendo. It's like opera, um, and but he just ends that, and it's just like got Africa behind him, and it's just this content on it. It's just like oh. it's it's literally the whole it's literally the whole album's being played out for me once again, and it's just it's just performance art. So I just wanted to shout out that particular performance because that shit just absolutely blows my fucking mind at every time I watch it. Um, but yeah, final thoughts on the whole album itself. I mean, like I said, like every time I listen to it, and every time I listen to an album of Black Origin that dips into these kind of things, whether it's um, you know dipping into other uh, other. Uh, African American created music, or just talking about Americana, uh, or or uh, fame, or Uncle Sam, or the music industry. It just up it just upgrades this whole album to me because of how much of how much content is in here, and not even just that of how entertaining it really is. Like, yeah, damn, yeah, it's entertaining. But it, that's it's level. entertaining in terms of like it the the songs slap, <laughs> mm. you know what I mean? Like just just some of the songs just straight up put fire, right? DNA I still have I have I've had in my regular rotation from day one. Like the first time I heard the first time I heard DNA melted in my bed, melted especially yeah. with that B drop. Yeah. I, I seriously melted like there was no bones. But when it comes to Pimp a Butterfly, it's just it it really is like it. Again, it is like a movie to me. You start off with this guy who's just like uh, giving out guns to the hood. What's good? Yeah, take this AK right quick. Yeah, what's up? And then he just goes through this. Uh, he, j- he just sees his friends at the award show and they're trying to like jack people. And I'm like, why? Why have I brought these people here? And then he goes to Africa and he sees this guy. He's homeless and he's like, fuck off, bro. And then he sees him again. He's like, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm like, oh. Shit, <laughs> it's yeah. it's such a it's it's a fucking movie, bro. It really is. It's a four hour movie. It's gone to is it's gone with the wind length, but with T Pab Entertainment. And I say that as a person who's not seen Gone to the Wind and will never see Gone to the Wind, uh, Gone with the Wind, because it is four hours. But if this was made into a film, it would be four hours, and I would watch every fucking second of it, because just the arc is amazing, and the fact that it is just straight up. Being Kendrick Lamar, and as you said, not like someone who uh, you know claims to be real. Not saying any names, 
but uh, <laughs> but just puts it all out there. You know, it's just you have to at least at minimum appreciate that candor and uh, honesty. And then he gives us a fucking two pack interview. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy, right? It's just absolutely amazing album. Um, Agree, man. Agree. Is my is probably my favorite album of all time, regardless Same. of genre. Top five Same. at minimum. Yeah, uh, it's my favorite hip hop album of all time, and I'm completely fine with that. I just I have no I've um, if you, if you guys have qualms of that, I mean, kick rocks. You've listened a whole hour of this, and now you're gonna uh, <laughs> now you're gonna part with me. Nope, <laughs> it's not gonna happen right there. But anyway. Uh, I don't, I don't if think you, anyone. Yeah, but don't yeah. if you want to finish it there. But yeah, that's, that's me. No, no, yeah, we can we can definitely finish it there. The only thing, like, I mean, my top five albums of all time, or top four, is To Me Butterfly, Sgt. Pepper's, Pet Sounds, Dark Side of the Moon. I don't. I, ah, to Pimp a Butterfly I is just. I prefer the wall. If we're talking about Pink Floyd, by the way. Yeah, I I really like the so so I have this thing where I really like uh, synergy in albums and like mm. transitions, and mm. I honestly think the transitions on Dark Side of the Moon for such an experimental album are just so clean, it's so, so clean, yeah. it's unbelievable, it's and so uh, yeah, man, yeah, I love that album. But To Pimp a Butterfly definitely my number one album of all time, and um, that's there's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration. I've listened to <laughs> probably. Th- Maybe f- into the ten thousand worth of albums in my lifetime, and fuck, man, there's nothing he's comparing to this. It's a great album. I'm trying to think of my all time now, like all genres. So it's Thimble tough, Butterfly, right? Miss Education, uh, oh, yeah. Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, yeah, uh, Donald Bird's. Uh, places and spaces or spaces and places I keep forgetting which is which <laughs> but that album is just so amazing to me um, what's that that's, that's four four fuck fifth's hard right uh, I don't want I don't want to cop out and say Olmaic but it probably is to be honest oh uh, you know what Commons, Commons B there you go that's, uh, there you go that's the fifth you know what someone said to me the other day that they thought that the intro was one of Kanye's worst beats. What to be? To be. What the what the dung 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 That's common floats on that shit, bro. Common floats and Kanye. Like it's like that. Um. Uh. I'm on my way home from my college dropout. I'm on my way home. It's such a throwback feel. Oh my god, those two beats are just fuck. I want to listen to that album right now. <laughs> god damn, that's right, a let's good get some, choice. Let's get the light though so you can jam it. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, firstly, just want to say thank you to everyone who supported after the DJ Booth article came out, and shout out to Shane because it was wonderfully written. Um, yes, shout out to that because that's actually, yeah, that was. I, I meant to say I meant, I've meant to say that like three times this episode, so I meant to sh- I meant to shout out, but at least you've done it yourself, so. Yeah, no, it's, nah, it's, it's good shit, bro. It's good shit. The 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 response was like, oh man, you guys are so sweet. You guys are really nice, and uh, just really appreciate. It. I needed it that day, that's for sure, and it was just really great. Um, so thank you for that. The second lighter note I have because behind the scenes, you guys don't know this, but Charlie has had to cut like three of my lighter notes because I just go <laughs> two, I'm two, not... two, two, two. I just. Uh... Bro, I'm not even gonna say why, but it just it just gets out of control. But this one's actually kind of funny. 
I was listening to Jay Cole's the warm up during the week because I'm going to do some statistics on him. Jim. And he was talking about he was talking yeah definitely he was talking about wanting the Jordan sixes, yep. and his parent his mum bought him Adidas somethings, and then his mum bought him these no name shoes and it reminded me of this great story in school. So I was not popular in school at all, right? People hated me, and one day I turned up to school. My mum had bought me these shoes. They were called Omnis, and she bought them from this like op shoppy thing and they look like globes i don't know if anyone remembers globes and etnies but globes were pretty big in in sydney in like 0102 they looked exactly like them they had no brand on them so i'm walking along at school and the cool kids come up to me and they're like oh my god are those the new globes and <laughs> i was so stupid back then i should have said yes i said nah these are omnis <laughs> And they're like, what the fuck are Omnis? And I'm like, I don't know. They cost like 20 bucks. Oh, boy, did I get fucking ridiculed for that, man. I should have just run with the Globes. But I ran with the Omnis. And uh, I think I got spitballed a lot that day. Oh, my God. Um, so if there are any kids out there listening, be savvy. Ah. Don't don't be like I was. Be savvy. If your mum buys you some garbage op shop shoes, and I love my mum. Thank you so much for buying those shoes for me. Just fucking pass them off as something else, man. Write something on it and say they're off-white. It's like, uh, West, what did West Side Gun say on the Griselda album? He wants Virgil to write brick on his brick. That's <laughs> Bro, that's a bar. But just write some garbage on them and say, yeah, they're, they're Virgil. Virgil wrote this. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm trying to look my, up Omnis. I'm trying to find them. I don't know that they exist. There's a Sorconi Omnis. But there's also a, 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 shoe, a shoe company, Omni Footwear. Uh, founded in 1991 by Mahendra Singh, uh, so it's Indian. <laughs> so it may have well, been that, those. That might be them, man. It may have been those. Be yeah, them. I'm looking. I see a picture. It just says Omni on the on the on the on the side. They look like bowling shoes. These ones. But, oh, um... these are definitely. This is def. I'm looking them up too now. Yeah, this is definitely the realm <laughs> I was in. They they were, they were different. They they were big, fat, chunky ones. I had these big, white, fat, chunky ones. But um. <laughs> Yeah, that reminds no, me no, of no. Uh, that reminds me of two TV shows. It reminds me of the a, a like a little storyline in a Family Guy where Chris gets uh, literally that exact story where like Lois gives Chris some like uh, shoes and it's called Teslik and it's like some <laughs> Polish ass shoes and they're like what the fuck are those shoes, bro? And uh, that sh- that episode in Atlanta, I think season two, where it's like a it, where it goes back back in time and uh, Donald's character. Um, was it uh, Ern? Yeah, Ern uh, gets like a fake Fubu. Is it Fubu? Oh yeah, I think uh, yeah. It was like yeah, it, it was it was like a fake jersey or whatever, or fake shoes. I forgot which is which. Yeah, no, it was it was a piece of kit, and the whole episode is literally just like him and another kid uh, have this have this same kit, but one of them's fake, and it just it just goes back and forth between <laughs> which one has the fake one. And the 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 episode is actually very depressing at the end because the kid, uh, the other kid had the real one, but um, Paperboy, um, as a younger, uh, confirms confirms quote unquote that Donald's uh, one is the real one, even though that's the fake one, and everyone believes it, and then roasts the other kid, and then the next uh. day the other kid killed himself over it, and I'm like, oh god, Ooh. and I'm right. like, well, I'm like, well the episode um... just went. That, that I rescinded all my laughing. Deep. But yeah, no, that's uh, a that's a it's a fucking amazing episode. If you like, haven't watched Atlanta, please go watch Atlanta. It's it's not uh, funny, 
but it's 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 got an interesting humor to it. It's it's it's, it's very very interesting. But just the storytelling and just how they go about it is just very fascinating to me. But anyway, and that's what just that's what I think everyone has those stories. Like everyone knows yeah. I've has either had those stories or uh, know somebody with those stories of just like my mum got me a fake whatever. <laughs> it's just like ah, yeah. oh, so great. Best of best. Uh, perfect perfect stories. But um, yeah, my uh, my low note is pretty kind of simple, I, I guess. Um, publications. I mean, we've done episodes on critics before, but publications overall just need to fix their shit up. Um, to say to, for the New York Times to say Drake has popularized uh, uh, rap singing great. is fucking stupid. Like that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Like, come on, bro. You, the amount of artists that have been before Drake that have managed to sing. Come on, behave yourself. Um, so there's that, and there's also this, um, and, there, and there's also two conversations that I've seen in um, just the, the Twitter sphere recently. One is the conversation around No Name and her not fucking with right, white audiences. First of all, um, if you don't like No Name, you don't like No Name. There you go. Don't follow the woman. <laughs> you know what I mean, um, if you're white and you're a fan of hers, you shouldn't really. You don't really. I don't want to say you don't have the right to get offended. You do have the right to get offended, but you're not really right to be honest. Because she doesn't make the music for you, and I've said that before. When it comes to black artists or any artists of any race or whatever, you know, country music uh, stars make country music for country music fans. You know, Daisy musicians make music for Daisy people. Um, Stormzy makes music for people who like UK rap. Right, No Name makes music that is hyper black and hyper about weed and other things. If you don't smoke weed, you can still listen to it. If you're not if you're not black, you can still listen to it. But don't give her the sh- don't give her the shit saying like you owe us something. She she doesn't. She she just doesn't. She never. She no artist does. No artist owes us anything. They, 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 you need to, you need to, you guys need to accept that artists are there for the art. They love the fact that you're a fan of it, but when you start saying I'm a fan and because of that you should bow, bow to my whim, that's when you, that's when you deserve a reality check. And you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of other uh, deeper conversations going around with No Name and. Uh, that's uh, too long to get into, but I just wanted to get into that particular one because that was just uh, kind of that's the one that caught my uh, 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 well, just caught my eye. And uh, lastly, Anderson Pack is hip hop. Just wanted to say, oh, that. yes, just, just wanted to say that as well because um, uh, I got in my bag with that. I was <laughs> I was kind of proud of myself oh, after it. I finished those. I was like, that was a good set of tweets. <laughs> no, you did well. You fucking came in because I, I I linked you in because I knew you'd uh, you'd have something to say and you did very well. Yeah. Okay, so so for guys, that, so for the people that don't know, um, uh, somebody put like like um, Anderson Pack's not hip hop, and I was just like, you guys need to zoom out because if Anderson Pack is in hip hop, then Nate Dog is in hip hop. It's 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 silly. Um, a lot of times when we talk about hip hop, and we've we've had this conversation before, a lot of time when people talk about hip hop, they think of rap music. Ladies and gentlemen, There's newsflash. It's deeper than rap. <laughs> it's deeper than rap. <laughs> it's deeper than rap, okay? It's way more than that. 
the roots go so much deeper than you think. Just talk, Let's just reference the album that we've talked about for over an hour to Pimp a Butterfly, okay? The fact that it goes more into hip-hop and goes into jazz, goes into soul elements, you know, the fact that it does all that, and Parliament Funkadelic elements as well, for, especially for Wesley Theory. Hello. That is hip-hop. Because hip-hop is an amalgamation of all of those things. Okay? This has been your PSA from Charlie Taylor, head of the fifth element. Shout out to the game. It's very, anyway. it's very well said. Now, I just want to speak very quickly on some of those things because the Drake thing was just ridiculous. I it's so obviously, obviously, you can only assume that this has been done for clicks, which is, um, I mean, they got the clicks they wanted, and yeah, we all got we all got our content out of it, and. People just posting wild shit. My issue is you can't... It's just... It, it's As you say, it is irresponsible. And you make a choice as a journalist if you want to go down that path. If you want to just uh, post whatever the hell you want just for clicks or not. And it ties in with the no-name thing where, you know, Uproxx got called out. <laughs> or, and a lot of... A lot of um, I'm not going to speak on, on that explicitly uh, specifically because outlets just do this all the time. If an artist tweets out something, an, uh, an outlet will spin it into news for the next three days. And yep. so you have to understand that these outlets aren't the most... The people that are in charge of their social media are not... They're not creatives. You know, they're not, they're not coming up with content themselves. They're looking around for content to repost. And yeah, it's just a bit ridiculous. The, the Drake thing was just... I mean, we don't even have to speak on it. Like... It, it's just stupid. The no-name thing, I found it really interesting. Um, a lot of people have been talking about Summer Walker lately and the way that she's been treating her fans. And Yeah, that's, a, just, that's even more depressing, honestly. Well, the thing, the thing that... Because she, like, she ain't lashing back. That's the thing. It's just like... It's like the girl's the got thing, fucking anxiety. Like, chill. The thing that is really frustrating me about this conversation is they keep bringing it back to the business model and saying that, you know, you have a product, you're trying to sell that product and the customer comes first. That is not the case with artistry. That is not the case with a hip-hop artist, you know. You're looking at as someone who is putting their creation out into the world, but they're not necessarily selling it as a product. They're not a huge company. And even then, a company has in the past shown that they will they will gravitate away from markets that they don't deem necessary or reasonable for them to be existing in. Look at uh, Chris Dow with uh, hip-hop. You know, Jay-Z publicly decried them in 06, I think it was, 05, when Chris Dow said, oh, we don't want, we don't want hip-hop uh, associated with our brand anymore. And <laughs> I'm sure their brand is, is doing fine uh, because there's probably a lot of old white people who drink it. And I think that they have the right to do that, whether I be, whether I agree with it or not. I certainly don't agree with it. But No Name certainly has a right. And, and as a white person, and, and I've been in these conversations where I've told other white people that people don't like my account. You know, I even got a comment this morning. It's like, we don't agree with you because you're white. We, you, don't, you don't deserve to have an opinion on hip-hop. And people get very upset when I tell them that, people around me. And I say, look, man, they're totally... Uh, allowed to have that opinion like you, you need to understand this doesn't just begin in 2019 this is not a conversation that began when no name turned up to a show 
and there were a bunch of white people there. This is a conversation that has been happening for hundreds of years. You know, you have to understand where hip hop came from. And so if someone says to me, I don't believe, I, I don't want to listen to you because you're white, I'm like, well, that's fair, man. Don't listen to me. I understand. That's, that's totally cool. And so for no name to say, I don't want white people at my shows, imagine how hard it must be if you're like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I don't know how these artists deal with it. I just don't. JPEG Mafia is another one who suffers from it. And I don't know how they deal with it. I feel very sorry for them. I had a, there was a great story. It's a terrible story, but it, it really hit it home to me a few years ago. And I was hanging out with a friend from school. Hadn't seen them in ages. And they said they'd been at the, the Kanye and Jay-Z concert to Watch the Throne. And they were talking about Paris, the song. And how they played it like eight times. And they just kept saying it. They kept saying the full name to the song. <laughs> My friend is white. And I said, you can't. Can you just stop? Like, just stop saying it around me. You should not say it at all. But it, it really fucking annoys me when you say it. And she said, why not? Everyone at the everyone at the, the, the show was saying it. Everyone in the crowd was white. You know, it's in their song. They expect you to sing it. I said, they don't. You don't understand. You're looking at it through a tiny little filter. You're looking at it in a total microcosm. Just expand your vision a little bit and understand. And um, I don't know how how some of these artists deal with this when they turn up to their show and they've got, you know, 5,000 white people screaming the word back at them. I... I don't know what you do. Uh, it must be very difficult for No Name and any rapper in this situation where you want to have fans, you want people to enjoy your art, you want people to you know, connect with it and you want people to come to your shows and they're people who are, don't share the values you share. Like, It's a very difficult situation and, and I hope No Name sorts it out for herself and, and can find a way through it because um, yeah, my thoughts are with her on that. That's that's a tough thing to deal with. Mm. Yeah, if you're a music fan, check your privilege. Anyway, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's been digging digits. Yeah, one hour twenty minutes. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of where I saw that coming. Uh, hope you well. And all this, so this, you know, these past four weeks, it's been a, it's been a, a very, a very, yeah, fa- a cool, very, man. very fascinating very four fun. weeks. And I, I feel fun. like we've learned a lot uh, about Definitely. each other right, right there in terms of music tastes and also just. Uh, well, why we enjoy music in general, so that's a uh, that's all good, and actually, kind of just uh, uh, dilutes what we could possibly talk about in the last show of the year. But we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it right? we'll uh, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, do all that good stuff if you want to do that good stuff. Oh, Fifth Element, Five uh, EPN announcement. Uh, DITD and What's Good is in the 5k all-time listen club. Hey, yay. we're there. Yay, finally, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, well, this this one's nearly at 6k already. <laughs> huh. This one's nearly 6k already. What's Good's just got the 5k, which is so depressive. That's good, but man. So, it's but, a great it's fine. fucking number. It's, it's fine. Good, good work. It's Congrats, a good number. Man. I like that. It's a good number. It's a good number. Yeah, it's a great number. Uh, but anyway, shouts, shouts to you guys on that front. But anyway, yeah. Um, end it there. Uh, hope you all have a good week. Uh, we should always, always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, uh, peace. Dig it
in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for the show, piece and video games for my bonus points. Thanks to Chillhold Records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and Chillhold Records will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. Thank you.